Welcome to Catalytic Leadership, the podcast designed to help leaders intentionally grow and thrive. Here is your host, author and leadership and executive coach, Dr. William Attaway. Hey, it's William, and welcome to today's episode of the Catalytic Leadership Podcast. Each week, we tackle a topic related to the field of leadership. My goal is to ensure that you have actionable steps you can take from each episode to grow in your own leadership. I believe, like Craig Rochelle has said many times, that when a leader gets better, everybody benefits. Your team, your department, your customers, your clients, your spouse, your kids, everybody. Each week, we spotlight leaders from a variety of fields, locations, and organizations. My goal is for you to see that leaders can be catalytic no matter where they are or what they lead. I draw inspiration from the stories and journeys of these leaders, and I hear from many of you that you do too. Let's jump in to today's interview. It is an honor and a joy today to have Justin Trapp on the podcast. Justin describes himself as an extraordinarily average guy who wants to make a difference. He's an entrepreneur and a ministry-minded creator who founded Ministry Pass and Sermonary so that pastors can be well-equipped to lead their churches. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, William. It's um looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> hey, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love for you to share some of your story with our listeners, particularly about your journey and your development as a leader. How did you get started? You know, uh, I'll start with... Um... At a summer camp when I was 11 years old, Jacksonville, Texas, I was attending a church camp and I just felt God sort of tapped me on the shoulder about something involving vocational ministry. And I didn't really know what that was. And so I, I loved, you know, I grew up in church, sort of a church brat. And and that, after that week, I always, it was like I almost became an old soul in a way. I just was very serious, very purpose-driven minded. And so I, I started working towards ministry and that all culminated right until I, I got hired at a church, a very large church in um, San Antonio, Texas. And I was there 10 months. I was the junior high youth pastor. The pastor brought me in and he said, Justin, um, you haven't done anything wrong, but we're going to need to make a transition. You've got a lot of promise and you have a good heart, but you, you kind of think like an intern. You kind of act like an intern. And we, we, we hired you to be a leader. Mm. We didn't hire an intern. Wow. And he gave me a book. It's by John Maxwell. I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has probably read, read it or at least heard parts of it. And it was the developing the leader within you. And he said something. He wrote something. He actually wrote me a note in the front of the book. And he said, what God wants to do through you, he must first do in you. Hmm. And I I took that to heart. And I have to be honest, William, about six months later, I feel like I was probably where I needed to be, where, where the church needed me to be. Um, and so that, that's sort of, I would say, my leadership journey, sort of this awakening, right? This awareness of like, okay, you can't just have a good attitude and 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 want to be a servant and and clean the bathrooms or, or do the things that people don't want to do. Like being a leader is, is, is a lot different than, than that. And those things are fine. And so I, you know, that I it sort of began me on my leadership trek, so to speak. And I served in churches for a long time. And, and then um, 
I'm sort of, I don't know how much you want me to share or like where you want me to start, uh, start or stop, but I'll, I'll say this. I was, uh, I'd been in vocational ministry for almost a decade and I was serving as an executive pastor. And this is part of my story. And so, um, the pastor that I was uh, serving under, he was my youth pastor when I was a kid. So there's mm. a lot of history there. Nice. We had a lot of trust and we had been talking like, Hey, uh, you, you know, you, you, you're going to be great to plan a church one day, or we, we will plan a campus. Or, you know, if there's an opportunity come along, he would let me go take another opportunity eventually. And I just never felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and just, it was, I was sort of in this, this holding pattern. Mm-hmm. And then one day we were driving down the road, Marty, my pastor, he said, you know, Justin, cause I was, I had begun to, to become bivocational. So I was having some business clients. I was doing some marketing consulting, but I was also very involved in our church by vocationally. And he said, you know, Justin, um, it is apparent to me that God continues to bless you in whatever you do uh, in business. And I think you would be a fine pastor of a local church. I really do. I think you'd be fine. You would do great because anything that you do, you're just so stubborn. You'll do great at it, right? (laughs) He said, however, I, I believe that your greatest contribution to the kingdom will be through business. It won't be as a as a pastor of a local church. Wow. Yeah. And that was not what I was expecting to hear. It wasn't that I was mad about it. It was just a little confusing. But it wasn't very long after that that I began to see the, the wisdom in his words mm-hmm. as I began to uh, launch out and, and create resources and a platform that serve churches. So I get to be involved in ministry, but I don't actually... Um, you know, I'm not a pastor. Uh, so I, I feel like I, I get to fulfill my my passion and, and mission about being involved with the local church, but I don't have to necessarily be the pastor. So that's sort of the short story, but that is part of the story, I would say, as an intro. What a fantastic journey. And so unexpected. I mean, I don't think you saw that coming <laughs> at any no, stage, right? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, it, in fact, it, it got... He was so, um, you know, right, hit the nail on the head. It, it was it wasn't less than a year later that I had to resign from the church because the bit, the you know, our the, what we were working on the business side, of helping churches was just it's like having one foot in this boat in the water and one foot in the other boat. And it's hard to stand up in one boat in the water, much less two. Right. So yeah. I had to pick. And wow. uh, yeah. Wow. And now you equip and enable pastors and churches to do what they do in a better way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tremendous joy, to be honest with you, William, that we get to do what we do. Everyone on our team has either uh, been a pastor or it cares deeply about helping the local church. And so mm. it's a, it's a thrill every day for, to, you know, for me to be able to come to work and do what we do and, and serve the local church. So. I love that. Just as, as you have worked in so many different contexts and with different people, I'm curious, how would you define leadership? Man, well, I always go back to, you know, the the developing the leader within you, right? When John Maxwell, Maxwell says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. And as I begin to get older and work in different organizations and just in friends, right? You can have a leader among friends. Sure. Usually it is that person that is the most influential, whether it be in conversation or, um, you know, the, the the sort of cohort that you're growing with together in a community. So um, I think John Max, I don't, I don't have anything to add to what John Maxwell has said. I'll say that. 
<laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's a good place to be. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so you work with a lot of leaders. You work with a lot of pastors. What do you think is the biggest mistake pastors are making today? Mm. Well, uh, I, I think you know pastors are wearing a multitude of hats, right? They are uh, spinning lots of plates. Uh, for every pastor that you see at a large church, there's 10 dozen pastors at small churches with no fanfare, possibly, you know, volunteer at that. And so they're they're doing all the things, trying to spin all the things. And I, I think the, the one common thread that I see in pastors today is, is a common thread that I saw myself, especially in my late 20s, early 30s, and that's trying to feel like that you have to be the, the guy or the girl spinning the plates. Like if, if I don't continue to spin this, it's not going to get done. And it wasn't until I met with a coach and you do some coaching. So I bet you've, mm-hmm. you've um, worked people through this exercise yourself. And it was such a, like a, just an eye opener for me. It was like, I saw the world differently immediately. Mm-hmm. And my coach said, he said, do this. I want you to write down everything that you do at your company, everything. Mm-hmm. If you're answering emails, if you have to be at a meeting, you're not even leading the meeting, but you have to be at the meeting. You need to write it down. Write everything down. And then I want you to classify everything into three categories. I want you to classify it into a $10 an hour task, meaning anybody could do it. An intern could do it. Part-time person could do it. Your mama could do it. Anybody. <laughs> the second is a, is a what he called a $100 an hour task, which is more of a specialized skill. Uh, for example, um, preaching, right? Preaching is not everybody can get up and preach. Not everybody can get in Photoshop and, and maneuver their way around some design software. Uh, and then the third was a thousand dollar an hour task, meaning only you can can perform these particular responsibilities. Mm. So I did that audit, and I had sixty eight things that I was involved in in some way. Form or fashion that uh, were ten dollar an hour tasks. Wow! And I realized I'm doing so much work that I shouldn't be. Wow. And so, yeah, it was uh, very enlightening. I would say I, I, I was able to give away half of that stuff within two weeks, and it was it's such a breath of fresh air, right? Because you've sort of burdened yourself with like, I, I if I don't do it no one's going to do it. Or if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. And what I realized just a few weeks later is like the world has continued to move without <laughs> me doing these, these sort of trivial things. Um, and so I, I see a lot of pastors and just leaders in general, right? Yeah. Just trying to wear all the hats all the time and not taking a break. The other thing I see, to be honest with you, William, as it relates to pastors specifically, I actually think pastors might be preaching too much. And here's what I mean mm-hmm. by that. Mm. Preaching, as you know, is an arduous journey. Writing a sermon is pastors are spending more time eating their meals, uh, or they're spending more time working on a sermon than they are eating their meals. It's about 10 and a half hours every single week. And nowhere else in our society, right, do we have a group of people that wear all the hats like I just talked about. And on top of that, you've got to prepare write and present what I would consider the equivalent of a college term paper, essentially. Mm -hmm. You're doing that every single week, doing that 40 plus times a year. So you're writing 
presenting 40 college term papers and managing all of your other responsibilities. And you're not doing it. See, the teachers even have this lecture, right? Teachers, everyone loves teachers. Teachers are like some of the hardest working people we know, right? Their job is tough. But even teachers have the luxury of everybody in the audience being of the same age and the same season in life. But not pastors. Pastors, you've got to take this this, uh, dense piece of work that you've worked on for the past week You've got to present it in a way that the single mother who has been to church three times in her life and the retired couple who's been in church for 50 years, and you've got everybody else inside that spectrum, and you've got to present the gospel in a way that connects, resonates, compels. And I I just think pastors don't give themselves enough credit on how hard that is Mm. And, and the toll that that takes, the cumulative toll. If you're just preaching 50 times a year, year after year, and doing all the other things, I, I actually think pastors it would be okay for them to take a step back and go, you know what? I need to add a few other voices to this team. It's not a $10 an hour task. It's not not anybody can do it. I get it. But but I'm not the only one that can be the voice on the platform presenting the gospel. And that would make them sharper, I believe, uh, in the end, right? And and it would, it would, um, provide a more, uh, you know, a different perspective as well with, you know, another speaker. So you're, you all believe the same thing and you have the same mission you're running there, but there's always just these nuances and perspective that can help people gain, uh, you know, more understanding as a congregation member. So that, that's just some of my thoughts off of the head about leaders in general, but also specifically about pastors. I, I don't think we give pastors enough credit for how much work and how big of a burden it is to present make a presentation of the gospel every single week, you know, for 45 minutes. Mm. Now, I think that's that's so insightful. One of the things that I've said for a long time is that there is incredible value in a, a congregation hearing from more than one voice. I've got one perspective. <laughs> I've got one voice. Mm-hmm. That's what I've got. That's what I'm going to bring every time I stand up. Yeah. But when someone else stands up, they have a different perspective, a different view of the world, and they're going to share from that perspective. And somebody's going to connect with them in a different way than how they connect mm-hmm. with me. Maybe they will connect with them, whereas they wouldn't connect with me. And I think that type of, of leadership lens is one we have to look through. I love what you're saying there. And if you are pastoring a church and you don't have a teaching team that you're pouring into that's helping you, that you're investing in, and this is this is solid gold encouragement right here from Justin Trapp <laughs> to do that. You have such a, a unique perspective by looking at so many different churches. And that's why I asked the question I did about, about the biggest mistake that you see on the part of pastors. I'm curious, on the part of churches now, organizationally, are there mistakes that you see that you think, hey, you know, this is one that I just see all the time? Oh, man, that's a good question. So I don't, I, I would say this, I don't do a lot of consulting boots on the ground at a church. So I'm not sitting in some of these uh, coaching and consulting meetings. Um, so I, I won't dive too deep because I think I'm sort of 30,000 foot view, right? Um, I, I do think that being around churches in our area, knowing some of the pastors, there's always this gravitational pull, right? Uh, the, the organizational habits always pull down. I, I, I was talking to a pastor the other day and he's, it's the same conversation we've had. And it's the same conversation I feel like I've had and probably you've had with, uh, you know, same, same conversation, different leader. Yeah. Right. 
Oh, yeah. And and he's he's saying I, I just have all these leaders around in our they're in our sphere, but I just feel like I can't get anyone to just stay connected. I can't get anyone mm-hmm. to lead. And you know I was trying to uh, be encouraging to him, but and I, maybe I could have been more blunt to be honest with you. But I think the organizational habits. There's always this gravitational pull. You bring yeah. you bring in a new leader, or you elevate someone, you equip somebody, but that gravitational pull is so strong, and it, it just unless unless uh, that leader is able to sort of penetrate through that, it, it just pulls everything back down to where it was. Mm. And um, I think as volunteer leaders, if you're a volunteer leader or you're a pastor, you're an executive pastor, you've got to ask yourself like, hey, you know, what are the what are the things that we've been doing for a long time that mm. are a no not effective? Um, B, what are the things that we're doing that we don't even realize we're doing? Yeah. Well, you know, is there a reason why we're bringing in these high capacity leaders and they are they are out that they are not really involved? They're just sort of at bay. They're indifferent. You know, the yeah. worst thing that we want them to be is indifferent. And yet he, I have half a dozen high capacity leaders around me just indifferent. Like why? Mm. And um, I, I see that sort of um, I have that same conversation, I would say, a lot with with pastors. That's really good. You know, I think it was Maxwell that described how organizationally we have these uphill dreams and aspirations and the downhill habits to go with them. <laughs> yeah, of course, he said it a lot more succinct than I did, right? It's... But that's it. That's that's exactly yeah. what you're describing. And organizationally, I think, which is going to win? The dreams and aspirations or the habits? The habits, for sure. 100% of the time. Yeah, Absolutely. You talk and have spoken about the need for sabbaticals and the danger of burnout. Mm. I'd love to just talk about that for a minute. And from your perspective and what you've seen and what you hear, how important is it that pastors seriously consider taking a sabbatical? Well, so I I um I mentioned doing the audit. Mm-hmm. Right after I did this audit, my coach actually walked me through and said, Hey, you you should take a sabbatical. And so I thought, okay, I'm taking a sabbatical because I'm burned out. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I was I was in that session with him because I was tired. I yeah. just thought, told him, hey, I don't know how long I can live at this pace, right? Yeah. And so what he did is he helped me plan a sabbatical. And I will say, I'm I'm a huge believer in it. Now we all we offer our team if they've been with us for five years here at Ministry Pass, they get a one month sabbatical mm-hmm. paid because I want them to experience the the breath of fresh air that comes yeah. with that. But I will say this, William, I thought that you go on a sabbatical to recover. Mm. Yeah. I thought you go on a sabbatical to recover, to rest, to retreat. And when you come back, you're re-energized. It's almost like this ego thing, right? Like I'm back. I can go yeah. like I can, I, I'm ready for the next chapter. And what I didn't realize, I would say perhaps an even greater benefit than me coming back rested and rejuvenated was the fact that our organization had learned to exist without me. <laughs> and when I realized that, I that's when what became so powerful about uh, you know taking a sabbatical. I've taken a few since then. Yeah. I'm taking one this next summer. And this is why I encourage and I'm passionate about uh, leaders and pastors doing the same. Because w- what we did is we picked a day six months in advance. I said, hey, on May 1st, mm-hmm. I'm going on sabbatical. We picked May because my anniversary is in May. Nice. And this was in December. So we our team spent the next five months working through 
getting ready for it to exist without Justin. Mm. And I was worried and I was nervous and I was anxious, but I did, I did it true. I didn't, I, I, they changed the passwords on my email accounts and <laughs> you know, I, I called in once a week for five minutes just to wow. check in. And yeah. I probably shouldn't have even done that. That was just me that they didn't need me to call in. I needed me to call in. Right. Yeah. When I came back, we had had our biggest month ever without wow. me. Wow. And so what a, what, a, what a sabbatical does is it forces the leader to stop spinning the plates. Mm. If, you, if, you, if you say, you know what, my, my organization, my habits, my gravitational pull is too strong. I know myself, Justin, I'll try, but I'll always take the plates back over. Here's how you overcome it. You go on a sabbatical. You, <laughs> it just blunt force trauma to your habits. Wow. And when you come back, the organization, your team, your leaders, and of course you yeah. will be better for it. Oh, that's so good. You know, I took my first sabbatical in 2014 and I had a very similar experience. Six months, we let up, get everything ready. I was gone. I was gone for three months and came back thinking, okay, now I'm recharged. Now I'm ready to roll because <laughs> yeah. I misunderstood exactly what the purpose of it was. It was a very similar story. Yeah. I'm gearing up for my next one. My, my Our polity is every six years, right? So okay. I was coming up in spring of 2020, I was getting ready to start like planning and something happened. I don't know if you're familiar, you know. Yeah, you know, I, seems something. like something happened. Something yeah. happened. Yeah, it changed everything. So uh, we decided this was not the right season. So I'm gearing up for January, actually. Oh, Make wow. Sabbatical again. And we've been working on this since last summer right? Like planning, preparing. But this time yeah. I have a whole different perspective. This is not around what I'm going to do, right? This is around something completely different. This is around the internal work. This is around reconnecting yeah. and actual yeah. rest. What does that mean? What does that look yeah. like? This is going to be a different experience for me. You know, I told my wife, she was asking me towards the end of it, uh, what is what has been, what are some of the things you've enjoyed the most? And I just said, you know, Small talk is just like more colorful. I, you know, I got off mm. social media yeah. and I was, you know, not checking my emails every day and just driving down the road is just sort of like a colorful. My wife is amazing, right? I love my wife, but just letting go of all of the, the noise and the chaos and the burden of feeling like you have to have an opinion on everything, removing all of that and just driving down the road with your spouse talking was just a tremendous joy. Um, that's hard to describe unless you've uh, lived through um, removing everything and mm. then just, you know, having small talk, driving down the road. I don't know. It's, you know, it, it is different. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you, though. That's going to be a lot of fun for you. And I, I pray it's uh, very fruitful and um, restful, of course. But, yeah. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it, <laughs> particularly after <laughs> the last few years. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> What do you think is the most underutilized tool for churches that they're not they're not even recognizing or not using to the extent that they could be? Yeah, man, this this will this will put me on a soapbox, William. I don't know if we have enough time, but I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, you know, there's a lot of churches today. Every church has a website now. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't you can't be a business or a church or an organization without a website. Everyone agrees. So. We're beyond that. Now, churches, we have, I've seen a lot of churches sort of have these sites where it's like plan your visit. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of churches plan your visit. Plan your visit, plan your visit, plan your visit. Plan your visit 
I mean, it's a noble attempt. I, I'm appreciative that churches are actually progressing and moving forward on trying to reach people digitally. I think COVID really sped up that process a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually grateful for that. But plan your visit almost assumes everyone is ready to plan their visit. <laughs> and if you, you're probably familiar with the angle scale of conversion, right? Mm-hmm, uh, sure. So I, I think this, the, you know, you can take that scale and you can apply it to someone in your community. They have no awareness of your church. Mm-hmm. That's like, let, let's say that's level one. Uh, yeah. They have some awareness of your church. They are curious about your church. They are interested. They are investigative. Now they are um, wanting to come to a service. That's like six levels, though, of of growth there that has happened. And we assume everyone that visits our website is ready to watch a sermon and is ready Uh to attend the service. And there is this sea of people that are interacting with your site. They're driving by. You can see them on Google Google Analytics, right? You Uh can see the number. You know that they came by, but you don't know anything about them. You don't know their story. You don't know where they're at on that scale. You don't know if they've been to church ever before. You don't know if they're mm. married. Like, you don't know anything. Yeah. And so what business have been doing for a long time is what I think churches should leverage this technique. And it's something we use on our site. And you may use it on yours as well. It's where you offer something to someone that visits your website, something that's of a perceived value mm-hmm. for you. It could be um, great. It could be a, an ebook or a PDF. The, the 10 greatest mistakes I see leaders make, right? It's a free download. And they give you their email address and you send it to them. Or uh, it could be a coaching, potential coaching client. Or um, in the church context, here's what it could look like. You could have a resource, a PDF resource, and it could be five Bible stories to share with your kids. Mm-hmm. You put that on the children's ministry page because every church mm-hmm. has a children's ministry page. Well, now... If if you have someone say, hey, please send me that. They give you their email address. Now you know something about them. Now you know they're a parent, they have children. They want to share the gospel with their kids or they at least want their kids to have some sort of religious upbringing. And so now when you engage with them, not only, they're no longer just an anonymous Google analytic. They're just, they're just you know, a unique visitor, as we call it. Now they're, they're a parent, have kids. They're interested in this resource that you have. Now you can follow up with them. You can send them messages, emails, automated responses, texts, whatever the case may be, through that ini- the, the context of that initial engagement. So now you can highlight your children's ministry. Perhaps you can uh, share um, upcoming events for the, that the children's ministry is, is, is uh, putting on, or it could be an Easter festival. All of these things work to build trust, and they've never been to your church. Mm. And so mm-hmm. now when they actually show up, it is a far different experience, right? When they show up for the first time, having uh, interacted with your church emails, learned about your ch- children's ministry, learned about the story of the church. All of this has happened. They haven't watched the sermon and they haven't attended the service, but there's some trust there that has been built. And there is some storytelling that has happened. And their experience when they engage with your ministry, I think is going to be, has a chance to be far more fruitful in the early stages than, than just a random visitor showing up. And I think, I think, so to answer your question, the most underutilized tool to me for churches is still your website. It's mm. still being able to take some of these things and offer free resources to people, add value to them where they're at in their life. And then 
follow up with them under the context of how you initially, how they, they initially engaged with you. You could do, I mean, it, you've probably done a series on marriage. So you could do, uh, you could can take your sermon series, take your sermon points, have an assistant do it. You don't have to do it. You could pay someone to do it. Uh, write a, a couple's devotional, you know, uh, seven day couple's devotional. Offer that on your family ministries page. Like you can do all these things. And then all of a sudden, these are, they're just not unique visitors anymore. They're like real people with stories and you have data and you can sort of meet them where they're at digitally. I think that really sets up a church to have a, a prosperous uh, digital evangelism. Uh, I don't know if you call it network or ministry, but there's something there. And, and I would say most churches don't have that set up or not even thinking that way. So. Uh, again, I, I could I could sort of talk in circles about this thing for a long time, but um, I do think it's in you know this is the next stage I would say of reaching people digitally for churches is what I'm talking about. You know, I love that that the way you describe that is not about hey, here's 15 more things you need to write from scratch. No, no, no you've got content. It's repurposing content, like retaking what's already been done, and let's repurpose it in in two or three or five different ways in a way that maybe you've never thought of that makes it more accessible to people who are not going to say, hey, let's go to the sermon page and look for a sermon that's based on Matthew. Nobody right. they know. Reach them where they are. Connect with them where they are. What's their what's yeah. the need that they're feeling right now? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You could be as creative as you want with that. I mean, you could have a free resource on every page of your website. that could be all different. It, it, the, the sort of, uh, you know, wide open... Uh, box there for churches. So practical. Justin, what what has been one of the greatest challenges you've had as a leader? Oh, man. This is one I'm still working through. I feel like I've been in this season for a few years now, maybe two years. And it's just, I've released all the $10 an hour things. Now we're at the point where there's a, a maturity in our team and our business where I've been able to hire out leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have those hundred all an hour task type of things. We have leaders over teams now. And, and, and I'm at the point now where some days I'm going, you know, <laughs> truthfully speaking, what am I supposed to be doing today? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get in their way. Yeah. Um, what, what is going to help elevate our team even more? I've got to grow as a leader. Um, but I've been such a, a doer for so long. You know, we usually the, the, the entrepreneur or the lead pastor or the church planner, you become chief doer first. Yep. And and you begin this slow process of of, of letting go, yep. letting go. And I find myself unsettled and I'm more comfortable with it today than I was 18 months ago. But I find myself um, uncomfortable still, though. Where I'm, I'm going. Okay, I'm going to spend an after, afternoon reading and thinking. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and someone's like, "What'd you do today?" I'm like, "Well, I, I thought about things. <laughs> uh, I didn't get in the way. Yeah, because because if I get involved, I have opinions, and I don't mm-hmm. override my team. But they, they they're so kind, right? And they're they're trying to wade through. Like, does he want me to do this? If he's is he giving me a bit, his opinion because right. he wants that to happen, or he's just giving me his opinion? And it becomes this like tug of war in, internally for them as well. And I, I'm just wanting to contribute. Um, so that's for me, that's sort of what I've been struggling through lately is what am I supposed to be doing today? How mm. can I help our, how can I elevate our team? How can I develop them and, 
encourage them and not be in the way, uh, mm. get in their way and slow them down. So uh, that's, that's kind of what I've been wrestling with, I would say. I think a lot of leaders struggle with that very thing. You know, and and what you described, I think Andy Stanley said it well. He said, you know, your your words weigh ten thousand pounds when you're the senior leader. Yeah, you don't mean for them to. You just want to engage in the conversation, right? You yeah. just want to bring some 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 value here. Yeah. But the minute you open your mouth and speak, totally. Oh, that's that's really that's really insightful. Yeah. You know, every leader that I talk to loves to learn and is in a continual learning process. Is there a book? that has made a tremendous impact in your life. You, you've mentioned Maxwell's, right? Developing the leader within you. Is there, is, is that it? Or is there another book that you would say, Hey, if you're a leader, you need to read this. Man, you know, I I'm learning. I love learning. It's a, I would say it's a personal value of mine. I'm learning all the time. I'm, I'm a consuming podcasts and books, audiobooks all the time. So it's hard for me to say just one, right? Yeah. I will tell you when I was, in high school and I graduated, the church gave me a, a Maxwell book. It was, a, it was a book for graduates. It's called Success One Day at a Time. And mm. it had little anecdotes and little illustrations and and quotes. And for some reason, I've just sort of, I'll find a copy, you know, every few years and I'll snag it just because I get give it away as soon as I, uh, there's nothing super profound in that book. It's a lot of, you know, it's a great coffee table book. But I would say Maxwell in general, um, has really helped me. I, I would say learning from some of the uh, business leaders and church leaders of our days, reading some of those memoirs and biographies, you learn a lot when you, you know, there's a new dimension to someone when you when you uh, work through their story, right? Because mm, yeah. a lot of times you just see the highlight reels right. on online yeah. or on TV, but it isn't until you get into the the early chapters of their book and you see the struggles and you realize that they're, they're just like you and you're yeah. going through some of those same things. And for me, that's always been encouraging because you said it as is part of my bio, but I've, I've always felt extraordinarily average, but I, I had um, ideas and, and aspirations to do great things while still feeling extraordinarily average. So, you know, it's sort of this, this, I felt like I'm in this, this conundrum here. And, you know, most leaders are just like us. And um, yep. and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm rambling on here, but I'm learning a lot. I'm learning all the time. And um, I think some of my favorite books, though, are those of, of uh, real, real people, like uh, nonfiction, um, memoirs, biographies and stuff like that. Mm, that's great. Justin, I know that folks listening are going to want to stay connected with you and learn more about what you do. What's the best way for them to do that? If you want to, if you want to connect with me personally, just give me a shot on Twitter. It's my favorite platform has been for over 10 years now. It's at Justin Trap. It's two Ps. Uh, just give me a shout. If you want to learn more about what we're doing to help pastors, we have two platforms. One is called Ministry Pass, P-A-S-S dot com, ministrypass.com. And that's really a, a library of of resources, sermon and, and research and, and media materials for churches to be able to utilize. We really try to help the small to medium-sized church. The pastor that is preaching 50 times a year does not have a creative team, doesn't have a big, you know, a, re, a, a big research department or a, a preaching team, trying to equip them so that they can put their best foot forward and, uh, you know, every week. Uh, from a content and media standpoint. And then our other platform is called Sermonary. And it's really 
it's a it's a writing app. It's you know Microsoft Word does ten thousand things that have nothing to do with a sermon. So we said, hey, um, for for something that takes as much work as a sermon does, we should create software, an app that is specifically for writing sermons. And so that's what we've done. And and those are the two platforms that we you know um, are improving every day to serve churches really around the world. So um, that's 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 me. Twitter personally, or those are my two platforms. Excellent. Well, I will put links to all of those in the show notes so folks can follow those and follow you and continue to learn. Justin, thank you for the generosity you've shown today in sharing so much of your story and the insights that God has shown you over the course of your journey so far. I can't wait to stay connected and continue to learn from you. Yeah. Thank you, William. It's been a a great time uh, talking with you. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks for joining me for this episode today. As we wrap up, I have a couple of requests for you. I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you find value here, I'd love it if you would rate it and review it. That really does make a difference in helping other people to find this podcast. Second, if you don't have a copy of my newest book, Catalytic Leadership, I'd love to put a copy in your hands. If you go to catalyticleadershipbook.com, you can get a copy for free. Just pay the shipping so I can get it to you, and we'll get one right out. My goal is to put this into the hands of as many leaders as possible. This book captures principles that I've learned in 20-plus years of coaching leaders in the entrepreneurial space, in business, government, nonprofits, education, and the local church. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn to keep up with what I'm learning and thinking about. And if you're ready to take a next step with a coach who can help you to intentionally grow and thrive as a leader, I'd be honored to help you. Just go to catalyticleadership.net to book a call with me. And stay tuned for our next episode next week. Until then, as always, leaders, choose to be catalytic. Thanks for listening to Catalytic Leadership with Dr. William Attaway. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. Want more? Go to catalyticleadership.net.